give him some praise. Come on, if you're in the building, you ought to give him some praise. If you are at home, you ought to give him some praise. I just want to say this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to say good morning to those of you who are watching us this morning. If you are watching us on Facebook, if you're watching us on Vimeo, YouTube, or if you are engaging within our live chat room found on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. To God we give the glory. Our digital ministers and our social media influencers are ready to engage along with you this morning. So real quick. If you are watching on Facebook, I want you to share to your personal timeline. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you are on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and then text the link to this worship service to your personal network. And if you are in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in our chat window to share this experience with others. But brothers and sisters, this is the day. The Lord has made, and we have decided to rejoice and be glad in it. Reverend James Burney is going to come now, and he is going to lead us in our worship. Reverend Burney. Come on, y'all. Can you stand to your feet all over the church? We've come to celebrate a risen Savior this morning. Aren't you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, don't try to fool me. Don't predicate me, Karen. Aren't you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? God has blessed us all week long, and we've come to celebrate him. We come to give him glory. We come to lift up holy hands. Wherever you are on Facebook or YouTube, you ought to give God glory. You ought to give God praise, for he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise, and we want to celebrate him this morning. Amen. Our, our opening hymn is glory to his name. Join them with our choirs. They bless us in song.
Amen. 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 So tell us uh, in, in, the, in the window screen on YouTube and Facebook, uh, I'm curious to know where everybody's watching us from. So if you could put the city and state that you're watching us from in our chat, we would appreciate that. Our scripture this morning is coming out of Ephesians, third chapter, beginning at verse 14. Ephesians, third chapter, beginning at verse 14. And it reads, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are in our lives. Father, when we look back over where you brought us from, we can't help the Lord just to say thank you. Father, when we realize, God, that you carried us through our deepest time in life, God, we can't help but to say thank you, Lord. Oh, God, when we look back just over yesterday, God, and what you did for us, God, how you brought us out, Lord, we can't help but to say thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your power in our life, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for our families. God, when we look back over everything you've done, Lord, we can't help but to give you glory. So, Father, we pray on this day, God. Remove any boundaries that will help us, that will prevent us from worshiping you, God. Remove any distractions, God. Oh, Father, we pray, God, that you come into our hearts this morning. We pray, oh, Heavenly Father, God, that you come into our spirits this morning. We pray, oh, Heavenly Father, God, that you just be in this place, God. Have your way, God. Do what you need to do, God. Bless us how you want to bless us, God. Oh, God, let us feel your presence. Let us feel your power, God. Let us feel you this morning, God, like never before. Oh, God, come on in the house. Come on in the house, Lord. Come on in the house, God. Oh, God, and we'll worship you, God. We'll praise you, God. We'll give you glory, God. Have thine own way, God, in this place, God. We bless you this morning. We bless you this morning. We give you praise. We shout hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, y'all. Can we give the Lord of God, can we give God a hand of praise? Come on. Can we celebrate him and who he is in our life? You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord.
céus Me dá me força e dá mais God We serve Lord Almighty Lord Almighty Lord Almighty Lord Almighty Lord Almighty Lord the glory great things he is doing here in the life of his people i want to just say real quick as you are engaging with us in worship today let us know where you are sharing this experience with if you share with friends using zoom or another video chat too let us know that as well then take a quick selfie of yourself and share where you are watching in front of the screen and post on any of your social media platforms whether you're on facebook Twitter, Instagram, and use the hashtag St. Paul Online. Share those pictures now or right after worship service today. And if this is your first time engaging with us during St. Paul Online, I want you to post first time. And, and I'll share with you our first time visitors link to either join us in a private Facebook group or to fill out a form so that we can share with you with our digital welcome packet. To God we give the glory. Come on, aren't we excited about how God is engaging us all over, all over our country, all over our world, and so we're excited about all of those who are joining us this morning. But brothers and sisters, I want you all to know that we are quickly approaching, come on, election season. Oh, come on, y'all know how we do. Y'all know how we do. We are serious about our elected officials, and I am honored this morning to have in our presence Miss Victoria Watlington, and I want to invite her to get her mic and come to this particular podium today. Yes, she's got, no, she has a mic right now. I've already given it to her. Go to this podium on this side. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Put your hands together for her as she comes. Good morning, St. Paul. Thank you so much. First, give an honor to God and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to the head of this house. I appreciate you today. And I would like to say good morning to you. And good morning, Commissioner Dunlap. I see you. I appreciate you. And I appreciate your continued support. You've been a wonderful mentor to me. I am Victoria Watlington, your Charlotte City Council member representing District 3. I will tell you, I am not a Charlotte native. 
but Charlotte is my home. Oh, wow. And it is my home because I love this city. I love the people. I live here. I work here, and I serve here. And it has been an honor in my life. Two years ago, the citizens of District 3, they elected me to focus on four key community areas, and that's community-led planning, affordable housing, transportation, and economic mobility. Sound familiar? Yeah. These are not unusual issues. We are seeing this all over our city and all over our nation. Since then, we've been working together despite, as you indicated, a global pandemic. We haven't been able to get together like we wanted to, but even in that, we pressed on and we were able to deliver tremendous results. With, with the community's help, my community leaders, my precinct leaders, I was able to do a few things and I wanted to highlight some of them for you. First of all, I was able to draft the framework for our city's Safe Charlotte Plan. How many of you have heard of the Safe Charlotte Plan? Okay, let me give you a real quick overview. How many of you know that we have a social justice issue in this nation? How many of you know that we need police reform? We need violence reduction strategies. Those are the things that our Safe Charlotte plan includes, and that's what we're focused on, investing in grassroots organizations to be able to interrupt violence. And also, we took a look at our police force to make sure that our policing represents what we see in the community. And I had the pleasure, with the support of some of my colleagues, to draft that legislation. So the second thing we were able to focus on, I ran for office because of my neighbors. I was serving on the West Boulevard Neighborhood Coalition, and we developed the West Boulevard Corridor Playbook. And that became the first of several documents that has now become our Corridors of Opportunity Program. And it is focused on investing specifically in black neighborhoods throughout our city that we know have been historically disadvantaged. Neighborhoods like mine. I live off West Boulevard and West Over Hills. And so the Corridor Playbook book, I was able to lead as a community leader in its creation, and then my residents sent me to the dais to implement it. And we've got about $60 million invested in black neighborhoods today through this program. Yes, it's fantastic work. It's fantastic work, and we've been able to do it together. I was also able to push last year through the Comprehensive 2040 Plan for anti-displacement. I championed anti-displacement funding and the Anti-Displacement Commission to make sure that as we continue to grow, we are able to stay in our neighborhoods and be a part of the growth and the progress that we see in our city. And then finally, as the chair of the Great Neighborhoods Committee, I am championing source of income discrimination elimination. What does source of income discrimination elimination mean? That means that no matter what kind of income you have, whether it's a W-2 job, whether it's disability, whether it's Social Security, or even a housing choice voucher, we should be able to live where we want to live without being discriminated against because of how we pay. And we are in the process right now having sent that forward out of our committee to approve that on council. So that's something I look forward to us doing soon. So we've done a lot of work, and I'll tell you that we're at a place right now where we have at least four seats that will change hands on city council this year. But how many of you know we're already in the budget process? So we are already well, in, well into the existing term. So we need stability. We need effective leadership. We need people with a professional skill set that live in our community and understand our community and fight for our community. And that's who I am. I'm Victoria Watlington, your Charlotte City 
council member representing District 3, and I would appreciate your support, your prayers, and your vote in this election, May 17th. Thank you so much. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for Ms. Victoria. Thank you so much for your service and for how you are serving our community. Come on, give her um, praise more time. One more time. Now, is my friend and my brother, Brother James Mitchell, is he in the building? Okay, I don't see Brother James uh, Mitchell, but to God we give the glory. Aren't we glad that we are people who are also concerned about our community? Oh, yes, we are. We are concerned about our community, and we want to make sure that we are engaged in this process and make sure that we're listening, just like we were doing today, listening to the points that they give and how they're going to serve us. So we are going to be engaged. Please know this. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in here one more time. I do have a few observations for us today. I do want to say that we will host Impact Worship next. <laughs> we will. I want to say it one more time. We will host Impact Worship next Sunday. To God we give the glory. Young people will be over um, in youth church, and we're excited about that. So let's give God some praise for youth worship. They are in worship right now. To God we give the glory for our youth pastor. And we thank him for how he is leading our young people. To God, we give the glory. Come on, let's give God some praise for Reverend Peyton C. And for what he is doing here in the life of our church. I want to tell you that in April, we will also celebrate our 122nd church anniversary. Oh, come on, y'all can celebrate better than that. I said 122 years. 122 years. St. Paul Baptist Church has been in existence, and we have been serving this community. So our guest preacher on that Sunday will be the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson. We are asking for a special anniversary giving of $122 per person to celebrate each year of our existence. Now listen, that's good news, isn't it? Come on, we are going to engage. We are going to engage and we are going to serve and we're going to bring our $122 and we are going to celebrate our anniversary. To God we give the glory. Now listen, it's scholarship time. Oh, come on. I said it's scholarship time. It's scholarship time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, listen, if you have some young people who are graduating this year, we want you to really pay close attention. Scholarship applications are now available for graduating high school disciples. Now, I want you, I want you to really understand. I said high school disciples. Class of 2022, you have opportunities to receive funds for future endeavors from the Academic Resource Ministry, Men of Valor, and the Deacon and Family Ministry. Application packets will be available on the St. Paul Baptist Church website by this coming Friday. Requirements vary, so please read each packet closely. The deadline for all three scholarship opportunities is Sunday, May 29th. For questions, contact the ministry lead on the application. Amen. Do I need to say that one more time? But listen, parents, you need to encourage your children to apply for these scholarships. Because, listen, college is expensive. And so you need to encourage your young people to apply for this money. To God we give the glory. Because you need the help. Amen. 
Maybe, maybe well, I don't know. Maybe we have some millionaires in here. That's a great. That's great news. <laughs> but it costs a lot of money for our children to go to college, and so we are just trying to be um, of assistance to them. So please encourage them to apply for these scholarships. So the deadline for all three scholarship opportunities is Sunday, May 29th. For questions, contact the ministry lead on the application. Is that good news? Come on, let's give God some praise for that. Um, I want to also say to us, if you are sick, we need you to stay at home. Um, we are still in COVID season. We are seeking to remain open as long as we are allowed through the city, county, and state boundaries during this current phase of the COVID endemic. It's no longer an epidemic, it's an endemic. So we want to remain open. So please, if you feel that you are sick, please stay at home. One of the things that you can do is if you are planning to come to service and you feel sick in any way, please, 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 I don't care if you feel a little tickle in your throat, please, my brothers and my sisters, stay at home. Now, listen, we strongly encourage you to become vaccinated. I know we have heard um, some individuals have contracted COVID, but they were vaccinated. And so the illness was not as severe. So we're encouraging you, everybody, to be vaccinated. Please, um, for your safety, we strongly encourage all disciples to go and receive the COVID vaccinations. COVID is still very real, still deadly, and still impacting our community. How many of us know that? It's still impacting our community. It really, really is. And I know that um, there are some people that say, well, you know, I never wore a mask and, and I've been okay. Listen, okay, that's you. <laughs> We're saying that we've seen some deadly things happen in our community. So we want to make sure that we do everything that we need to do to remain safe. Is that right? Is that right? Let's give God some praise for that. We want to do what we can do. We know that God is going to do what God is going to do and what God will do, but we need to do what we can do. So that's why we are encouraging each and every one of you to, if you're not vaccinated, to get vaccinated. And if you have masks, we want you to wear masks. And especially if you are here at the St. Paul Church, we wear masks while we're inside. Keep your mask on while you're in worship. And even when you get out into the vestibule area, when you get outside, you can take your mask off. But while we're in here, we want to make sure that um, we are safe in-person worship at St. Paul. We have increased our seating capacity to move our space into three feet of distance between individuals or same household families. If you are within the same household, you are welcome to sit um, as close as you need to. Um, but if you do not, we, expect, we ask you to be three feet apart. We no longer require online and in-person registration to attend our worship services, and that even includes our funerals. We still do require masks inside of our building, and we still will be conducting temperature checks. We ask that if you do not feel well to please stay at home and watch us online or listen to our services on our phone live streaming number. Brothers and sisters, let's give God some praise for everything that we are doing within our church to keep us safe. We want everybody to be safe. Now, we want you to um, keep in your prayers. We're getting ready to move um, into intercessory prayer. And um, we want to remind you that tomorrow um, we will be celebrating the life of Brother Bryce McCain, Jr., 
He is the husband of disciple Sister Gwendolyn McCain. His services will be held tomorrow, Monday, April the 11th, here at St. Paul Church. The quiet hour will begin at 11 o'clock a.m., and the service will be held at 12 o'clock noon. Please, brothers and sisters, keep um, Sister um, Gwendolyn in your prayers and keep that entire family in your prayers. We also want you to keep in your prayers the family of Brother Charles Clark, the brother of disciple sister Sherry McClendon. His services were held yesterday in Boston, Massachusetts. Additional family members were brother John, John McClendon, so please keep um, him in your prayers. We also um, want you to keep in your prayers the family of disciple sister Mary Crawford, the mother of sister Thumbelina Sings and brother Stephen Sings. Her services were held this past Thursday here at the church. Um, at St. Paul, additional family members. She has some grandchildren, um, and she even has some great grandchildren and a niece. Please, brothers and sisters, keep this family in your prayers. We also want you to keep in your prayers the family of Sister Sylvia Patterson, the sister of disciple Sister Karen Robinson. Her services were held this past Thursday as well, and it was held at Roseboro's Mortuary and Crematorium here in Charlotte. Brothers and sisters, it is a time that we really need to keep our family members here at St. Paul in our prayers. We also have some of our disciples who are hospitalized, and we want you to keep them in your prayers. Um, Deacon Sylvia Audrey, please keep her in your prayers. Deacon Angela McDonald, Brother Dennis Brown, Reverend Annie Gant, Sister Annie Rose, Brother Reginald Steele, and Brother Oscar Walker. And please also keep in your prayers our Pastor Emeritus, Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond, and his wife, Sister Thomasina Drummond. Listen, you'll see those names rolling up and down our screen. These are our sick and shut in. And when you get down on your knees, we want you just to call their names out because there is power in prayer. Amen. Amen. Many of you have been sick and shut in, and you know what that feels like. But knowing that your church family is lifting you up in prayer means a whole lot. It means a whole lot. So I want us to keep these names in our prayers. Reverend Bernie is going to come now, and he's going to lead us in our intercessory prayer. Good morning. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, when we look back over all that our families are going through right now, Father, we can't help but to recognize the power of your strength in our life. And Father, we pray right now, God, for those families that are going through bereavement, those families who have experienced the loss of loved ones. God, we pray, God, that your spirit, God, will be with them, that your spirit will minister to them, God, that you will remind them, God, that even in the midst of death, even in the midst of their struggles, God, you have not left them. We pray, oh, Heavenly Father, for your spirit, God, to abide around them. God, that you will accompany them with people who have your spirit in them, God, that, that will help to God to provide encouragement, to help to provide support, God, during this difficult time. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray for those in the hospital, God, those that are going through sickness right now. God, we know the power of your might. We God, we know that you, God, are a healer, God. We know, God, that you are there even when they don't see you, God. We pray, oh, Heavenly Father, God, that you will let them know, God, that even 
God, what they're experiencing right now, God, you have the power to heal them, God. You have the power to comfort them, God. You have the power, God, to come and see about them. So, God, right where they are right now, God, we pray your spirit, God, will enter their place, God. Enter their room, God. Enter their sanctuary, God. To let them know, God, that they are not alone, God. That, God, although they're going through some trials right now, God, remind them of who you are, God. Remind them, God, that you're right there with them. Remind them, God, that even though it seems bleak right now, God, you still have the power. You still have the might. God, you still have whatever it takes, God, to restore them, God. So, Father, we pray for restoration, God. We pray for healing, God. We pray, God, that whatever they need, God, God, you come and see about them, God. Let them know. Give them the blessed assurance, God. God, that all power is in your hands, God. We thank you for what you will do, God. God, we pray all over this church, God. Where COVID may come in, God, you come in and see it out. God, wherever illness is, God, you come in and work it out, God. Wherever there's trouble in the mind, where mentally, emotionally, God, you come and see about your people, God. For Lord, we realize, God, God, that we can't make it without you, God. We realize, God, that we need your strength, God. We realize, God, that everything we need, God, lies in your hand. So, God, come see about us, God. Come bless us, God. Come strengthen us, God. Come and encourage our hearts, God, to give us the assurance, God, that everything's going to be all right, God. Oh, God, we bless you this morning, God. We thank you this morning for what you have already done, God. We thank you for a renewed strength, God. We thank you for a renewed power, God. We thank you, God, for a renewed mind, God. To help us to understand, God, that though it seems bleak right now, God, God, you're still able, God. You're still sitting on the throne, God. You're still working it out, God. Oh, God, we bless you this morning. We give you praise, God. God, dry our tears this morning. Heavy heart this morning. Remove all the heavy burdens, God. God, that we might see you in the midst of our struggle. We bless you this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord. Oh God, yes God. Yes God. Yes God. Yes God. Move up and down every aisle. Yes Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Oh God, we feel you in the building. Yes Lord. Oh yes Lord. Yes we do God. Yes we do God. Yes we do God. God we thank you. We thank you Father. We thank you Father. We thank you Father. Thank you Father. Thank you Father.
Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for healing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your presence. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you so much, God. Thank you so much, God. It's hard to move from this moment. Steel, but I wasn't able to see him the other day, and um, I promised, I promised his son that I would go back. But you know what? I don't need to go to the hospital. Pastor Scott doesn't need to go to the hospital because God is there. God is there. Is touching his body right now from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. Every person, Reverend Drummond, Sister Drummond, God, move, move, move by your power. Touch them, go into the sick room. God, you go there, you go and touch, you go and touch, you lay your hand, God, your healing hand upon them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, we claim it done. We claim it done. We claim it done. Jesus is done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. To God we give the glory. Thank you, Jesus. What a powerful, powerful prayer moment. Thank you, Jesus. You want to lift your hands all over this place? Come on, I come on, I dare you to lift your hands all over this place. Dare you just to lift your hands up and, and you're lifting your hands up because you're saying, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I receive your healing, yes, Lord, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. And God, you know what? You are receiving it for your own family members. You ought to keep those hands lifted, 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 lifted. God, we receive it, we receive your power. We receive it, receive your healing virtue through our bodies right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you. God, we thank you. Thank you for this powerful, powerful moment. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Put those hands together. That signifies, God, we hear you. We hear you, and we thank you. It's offering time, my brothers and sisters. Oh, this is another powerful part of our worship experience. What I love about the offertory moment is it's not separate from our worship. When we give our offering, we are giving back to God that which he has blessed us with. How many of us know that God has blessed us? Oh, yes, he has. Come on. God has blessed us. 
Come on, he's blessed us. He's blessed us. Come on, all over this building, you will signify that you are blessed. And you know what? Because we are blessed, we are excited about the fact that we can give back to God that which he has blessed us with. We can bring back the tithe, that 10% of our earnings. We can bring that back to God, but then we can also bring an offering. Hallelujah. That is over and beyond our tithe. And we ought to be able to do that, shouldn't we? When we think about what God has done for us, when we think about the fact that if it had not been for the Lord, we wouldn't have the jobs that we go to each and every day. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, if God has blessed us, then there should not be any argument about us giving back to God 10% of the earnings. Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me, test me, and see. Won't I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing? You'll not have room enough to receive. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. But we've got to be honest with our tithes. We've got to be honest and say, you know what, God, thank you. And so I'm just going to bring back 10% of what you have blessed me with. That's, come on, that's nothing. Come on, 10%. That's nothing. We ought to be able to do that and say that God is blessing us. So we want us today to get that offering, get that tithe, and we want us to hold it up to God because we want to ask God's choice of blessings upon the offering that we're about to give. You want to hold up your phones, um, because if, if that's the way that you're giving, we want you to hold it up in your left hand. Oh, my God. Oh, no, we want to hold it up in our right hand. Woo! Because we want to give God what's right, not what's left. Give God what's right, not what's left. Amen. Come on, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to give back to us, give back to you that which you have blessed us with. God, we are holding up our offering today and we're asking for your blessings upon that offering in the name of Jesus. For every hand that is lifted, oh God, we ask that you bless them some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless them even the more. God, give them, give them everything that they need in the name of Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you. We give you praise for what we know you're going to do in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may give your offering. If you have a physical offering, you can put it in the basket, um, in the basket on the seat in front of you. And um, the ushers will come by and get that. You may give at this time. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Higher, higher, 
so richly and rightfully deserve. Come on, let's celebrate our male chorus and give God praise for their gift of song. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is good to see you all. Haven't seen you all in two weeks and what a blessing it is to be back in your midst. Um, and I want to thank you for your patience and uh, getting here. I just landed from Jackson, Mississippi, where um, I was honored and acknowledged as helping Jackson State raise $1.3 million in scholarship funds for our students. And so some of you all I put on Facebook, I begged and cajoled you all to give $5, $10 to that endeavor, and I'm appreciative of your kindness. And so thank you for what you have given to support students and we have students from North Carolina, South Carolina that go to Jackson State as well and so I want to thank you all for that. I'm working on having the president to come here, uh, Dr. Hudson, uh, in the near future and address our congregation but thank you all so very, very much. Um, I also want to recognize a new doctor of the church, uh, it may be online, uh, Reverend Dr. D'Angelo Dia. We want to celebrate and give God praise for him. He was conferred the Doctor of Ministry degree on yesterday at Union Presbyterian Seminary. And of course, several of our disciples were there and staff to cheer him on. And so we want to thank God for him. Uh, and uh, Minister Erica Dapney, um, if the Lord says the same, will be graduating from Hood in May. So we thank God for... Thank God for that. I am so proud of my sons and daughters in ministry who um, have accepted their call since I've been here, and the Lord has done a wonderful thing. Well, listen, don't want to hold you all any longer than necessary. Um, I want to, if I could, finish up the series of sermons that I've been doing for the past uh, few times that the Lord has allowed for me to stand dealing with the scriptures and the 1619 Project. And today I want to talk about the church, the church. And so I want to call your attention for the time that is mine, from Matthew chapter 16, 
verses 13 through 20. It's a very familiar passage. I've preached it before. Um, but one thing that I have discovered about preaching is, is that um, as long as I've been doing it, the law will allow for you to see things from a different perspective, even if it's from the same text. So Matthew chapter 16, and we want to start reading at verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, and we want to start reading at verse 13. I will be reading from the New King James Version of the Word of God. It reads like this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, you are right, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that no one should tell, that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. For the time that is mine, I want to talk about, and I know this may seem like a strange subject, I want to talk about the purpose of the black church. The purpose of the black church. Let's be honest. Race has created such a division within the human equation until it has distorted the organism that Jesus established in what we call the earthly realm. Prior to the creation of the construct of race, while there was separation and division, it occurred along ethnic, economic, educational, and gender lines. So let's be honest. Even though these types of separations are not what God desire for God's creatures to engage when it comes to our human interaction because separation and division along these lines create what I call hierarchical distinctions within the human family. In other words, somebody has to be on top, somebody has to be on the bottom. I really believe that God wants better for us, but until there can be a sincere acknowledgement by the oppressor, that they have engaged in oppression, there cannot be real assimilation and integration because the oppressor will even use assimilation and integration. The oppressor will use the tool of reconciliation to maintain a position of superiority. The problem with Western Christianity and American Christianity that has its foundation not in Jesus Christ, but in racism that continues to thwart and impede repentance, reconciliation, restoration, and even redemption of Western and American Christianity. Am I making any sense so far? 
Dr. John Kenney, uh, the former dean of the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union, says, and I quote, discipleship in white churches focuses on indoctrination, while discipleship in black church focuses on detoxification. He ain't never lied. St. Paul left detoxification within the rubric of discipleship is to have our disciples to understand and appreciate their humanity and appropriate their culture with the understanding that Christianity is not the white man's religion and that we are neither inferior nor superior to our white brothers and sisters, then detoxification is needed. The essence of authentic, biblical, Jesus-oriented discipleship and the makeup of the church did not start in Rome, Greece, or Europe. Rather, it was formed and forged within the cauldron of Roman oppression by a brown-skinned Palestinian Jew named Jesus. Now, his boys really were not his ride-or-die buddies at the time because they could not understand all that Jesus came to establish. But when we talk about the conception, the gestation, and the birth of the ecclesia, the church universal, when the church was established, it was the most multi-ethnic, multi-racial entity of its time. But as it continued to grow and spread and it came under the rubric of the Roman Empire, it morphed into these local cultural silos and eventually became corrupted by power, politics, and religion. However, the worst corruption to the ecclesia, to the church, was when the concept of race was injected into her veins in our collective humanity and it messed all of us up. Racism is a new world phenomena. Racism was not an issue in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't oppression and I'm not saying there wasn't discrimination in the Bible, but it was not based upon the color of your skin may have been based upon culture and gender and ethnicity and religion and socioeconomic status, but it was not based upon you being black or brown. Did you not know that the issue of race came into prominence around the early 1400s into the 1500s when the Atlantic slave trade was in its infancy and then it blew up in the 1500s and the 1600s, when our enslaved ancestors were brought to these shores in 1619. The reason, St. Paul, that I'm taking my time to explain this, because I want you to leave this place today with the understanding that you are somebody, especially if you go to the black church. The reason that we cannot have in today's culture meaningful progress when it comes to reconciliation and doing the work of justice and uh, dealing with racism is because we lack a foundational uh, perspective from a historical point of view. So when I say that race is a new world construct, some folks look at me saying, huh? It is because the concept of race became the political, social, economical, and theological impetus by which the most horrific form of slavery came into world history. It, it was this knowledge construct or this epistemological construct for race 
for which modernity and even post-modernity precepts have developed for relational and social interactions. I promise I'm going to break it down. My professor at Duke, the Reverend Dr. Willie Jennings, helped me to understand this when I took his class years ago called Christian Anthropology, and he crafted a sociological, anthropological, and theological framework that helped me to understand that racism is not a historical, theological, or biblical construct. All I just said was that my professor, Dr. Jennings, helped me to understand that what society says I am and what sociologists try to say I am and even what white theologians try to say I am does not have its roots in the Bible. In his book, The Christian Imagination, Theology and the Origin of Race, he writes, and I quote, in the small space of a backyard, I witnessed Christianity familiar to most of us enclosed in racial and cultural differences and consequentially related to its geography, often imaginatively detached from its surroundings of both people and space, but one yet bound to compelling gestures of connection, belonging, and invitation. Here, however, we are operating, check this out, out of a history of relations that expose a distorted relational imagination. Put a pen right there for a moment. A distorted relational imagination. What a concept. Let me break it down to you and put it on four flat tires. A distorted relational imagination prohibits and prevents those of us who claim to be part of the church from being one in Christ. This is because the issue of race is never honestly confronted without white folks being offended when black folks bring it up. When you operate with a distorted relational imagination, there is the tendency to say, I want to promote a colorblind ethos. That's why white folks love to quote that line from Martin Luther King's speech, where we will not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. And they want to stay there. But to be colorblind is to negate the very image of God. To be colorblind is to say, when white folks say, I don't see color, I want to tell them you a doggone lie. The problem is not that you don't see color, but when you assign a negative sociological and a dysfunctional anthropological stereotype to me based upon the color of my skin. In other words, white folks see a black person and immediately thinks negative. You got a distorted relational imagination. Can I make it plain for you all? The misinterpretation based upon a distorted relational imagination and perpetuated by a heretical theological framework that causes false interpretation of the scriptures to say that God has ordained American slavery, that God made the white man superior to the black folks because they are descendants of Shem, and that God cursed black people because we are descendants of Ham. In fact, this is an erroneous reading of the scriptures because how in the world, check this out, can Noah and Mrs. Noah have three different color of kids? Can I make it plain for you all? It is this misinterpretation of a distorted relational imagination coupled with an erroneous biblical hermeneutic that has given rise to a dysfunctional theological framework to which an inept institution known as the American white church has produced an illegitimate child called the black church in which the illegitimate child has now become the prophetic voice of a nation. In other words, the first shall be last. And the last shall be first. 
can I continue to press my claim for a moment? So the purpose of the black church is to really combat the oppressive systems and structures which impede our full humanity from being all that God has destined, desired, and designed us to be. The black church is really the prophetic critic, the priestly correction, and the pastoral redeemer to the wrongs of Western Christianity and American Christianity. Dr. Eric Mason, the author of Urban Apologetics, puts it this way as he quotes Dr. Jerome Gay's book, The Whitewashing of Christianity, when he says, and I quote, we have to rescue Western Christianity and American Christianity from being whitewashed. Whitewashing refers to the affinity of white Christian scholars to dominate the Bible, Christian art, literature, and history with a bunch of white people at the expense of authentic ethnicity and true scholarship in order to resonate most deeply with white audiences, primarily based upon their experiences, presuppositions, and worldviews. All I just said to you all is that we got to rescue American Christianity from white folks thinking they're bigger and better and better than us because they've been doing all the writing. Dr. Ernest Gray says whitewashing occurs institutionally and structurally when the contributions of the African diaspora to theology, ethics, and culture are largely ignored and the influence of people groups of European descent are accentuated. Whitewashing wrongly validates and champions the implicit and historical bias within the conservative evangelical communities and bolsters the notion that people of color will remain unequal to our white counterparts regardless of our credentialing and accomplishments. No wonder black people are walking around thinking that Christianity is the white man's religion. And the reason they walk around and say that mess is because they are unknowledgeable of the fact that early Christianity had its beginnings not in Europe, but in Africa. And Thea Butler, in her essay, Church, in the book, A New Origin Story, the 1619 Project, states it this way. White Protestant Christianity focuses on individuals' relationships to God and personal sin and legislating morality. Whereas, in contrast, the style of the black church that developed following the Great Awakening and in the antebellum period was one of prophetic witness to the moral outrage of racism in America it was the rhetoric of dissent, end of quote. My good friend, the late Reverend Dr. Matt King Carter, puts it this way. He said, if you're going to be part of the black church, we got three choices. We can either, A, continue to be the illegitimate offspring of a racist church system. B, we can become a social organization that seeks the same things that the American empire has without providing a moral restraint to keep us from becoming like the American empire, or C, we can become the alternative consciousness and community whereby we engage in a countercultural revolution based on the biblical Christ. In other words, all I'm just saying is A don't count, B don't count, I'm rolling with C. 
isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that in the text I read to you right now that Jesus is really introducing what I call a countercultural community called the church. And when you read in the account of Matthew as he is introducing what is called the ecclesia, Jesus is in Gentile territory along the coast of Caesarea Philippi, about 120 miles from Jerusalem. He's in a territory, St. Paul, where people didn't worship Jehovah and could care less about the Jewish religion. He's in a strange territory where the inhabitants of the land were worshiping gods like Baal and Pan. Uh, the master could cast his eye to the distance and see the temple that was built in honor of Caesar by King Herod, who was the Jewish ruler, but Caesar put him in place. There was a temple built to worship the Greek god Pan, who was the god of the pasture and the god of the shepherds that looked like a goat playing a wooden flute. The Roman government was the permissive government at the time by God, but the people of the government considered Caesar to be their God, and so they had a whole bunch of gods, but those gods didn't have any power. Therefore, it is along the backdrop of this pagan religion laced with superstition and debauchery that Jesus raises a wonderful interrogative. Who do men say that I am? Now, from a human perspective, this can be perceived as arrogant or insecure. And I know that if some of us here at St. Paul were in the midst, we'll be saying, who does Jesus think he is? And the reason we would say that is because we really don't know who Jesus is. Because if we knew who Jesus is, we'll be the first one to jump up and say, I know who you be. You be the son of the living God. We would have done the same thing that Peter would have done. However, the problem is that since many of us fail to understand who Jesus is, the issue ain't Jesus is ours because Jesus knows who he is. He knows he's the essence of the makeup of God the Father. Jesus knows who he is. He knows he is the God man that is God wrapped in human flesh. Jesus knows who he is. He knows he's 100% God able to walk on water and calm the rage of sea and 100% man if you cut him he bled red blood. Jesus knows who he is. He knows he's Alpha and Omega the first and the last the beginning and the end I said Jesus knows who he is. He's wonderful. Counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. I said, Jesus knows who he is. He's the root of Jesse. He's the line of Judah. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the son of David. Jesus knows who he is. And since Jesus knows who he is, he's trying to get us to know who he is so that when we worship him, we know what we're worshiping and why we're worshiping. Can I give this to y'all for free? I ain't preached to y'all in two weeks. Can I give this to y'all for free? Here is the issue with some of us when we come to the church and when we hang around Jesus because I discovered you can be in the presence with someone for a long time and still not know who they are. And Jesus raises the interrogative with his disciples because they've been rolling with him for three years and still did not know who he was. They saw him work miracles. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him give sight to the blind. They saw him empower the lame to walk. They saw him give the mute speech. They saw him make the deaf hear. They saw him forgive sins. They saw him walk on water and calm the raging sea. They saw him show compassion to the helpless and the hopeless 
They saw all the wonderful works and yet they still did not know who he was. And so the question that Jesus has raised is for his own boys to really understand who he is. And so Peter says, uh, I know who you are. While the other said, some say you're Jeremiah, and others say you're Elijah, one of the prophets. But Peter said, wait a minute, I, I, I know who you are. <laughs> I, 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 I got it. I, I know who you are. Uh, 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 you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, man, listen, flesh and blood didn't give that to you. You didn't get that smoking some weed. You didn't get that drinking cavassier. You didn't get that uh, doing some other funny stuff. You got that revelation straight from God. Uh, and because you made this confession, Peter, that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, now. Can, can I take my time for a moment? I promise I'm going to get y'all out in good time. Can I take my time for a moment? Now, now Jesus did not invent the word church. The Greeks did. And the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. The word ekklesia is a regular assembly of a whole body of citizens in the city-state by which the herald calls for discussion and they come together to make decisions for the policies of that country. When the Romans conquered the Greeks, they took the concept of ecclesia and they institutionalized it into their government. However, the word ecclesia has basically what I call a twofold purpose that I want to drop on y'all right now. And I want to maintain that if the black church is going to be rooted and grounded in the purposes of the universal church, I want to lift up these two considerations that will empower us, enrich us, and educate us so we can be real disciples that God will have for us to be in a world that is going to hell in a handbasket. So what is the purpose of the black church considering the church that Jesus established 2,000 years ago? I'm so glad you asked. Can I answer your question for a moment? Because when you think about the term ecclesia, the term ecclesia is to hold their king in high esteem. Ooh, I just dropped something major on y'all. You just missed your shout cue. The word ecclesia means that there is a king and that king ought to be held in high esteem. Now, let me see if I can back it up, make the connection so you'll understand and shout about what I just dropped on you. This is lifted up, beloved, in Peter's confession. Where is that pastor? It's in Peter's confession when he says, you are the Christ. Ooh, son of the living God. Now, I know you can't shout because some of us think that Christ is Jesus' last name. Christ ain't Jesus' last name. Christ is Jesus' title. And so when you understand that Christ is Jesus' title, it is really he's saying that you are the Messiah. If you're the Messiah, that means you are the anointed one. And there were only three things in Israel that they anointed folks for. They anointed folks to be a prophet. That means to be the voice of God to the people. And we know that Jesus was the very voice of God because he was the word of God. And he was the word of God because John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And 
and the word was God and the word was made flesh. So when you understand that Jesus is the word of God, the word word in the Greek is logos. Logos is where we get the modern word logic. Logic is how you and I process our existential reality to come to conclusions through our mind, reason, and rationale. So if Jesus is the logos of God, if Jesus is the logic of God, then Jesus is the fleshly articulation of the mind of God, which means that whatever you saw Jesus doing, God had it on his mind before Jesus ever showed up. So Jesus is operating in prophetic role. Oh, I'm having fun teaching y'all. But not only was he anointed prophet, but he was also anointed priest. And the priest is the mediator between humanity and God. In other words, the priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. And every year, the high priest would go into the holies of holies on the day of atonement to make sacrifices for the whole nation of Israel. And if he didn't have his stuff right, he would drop dead. So when the holy, he go into the holies of holy, he had to put on a special robe. He had to put on the uh, 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 the breastplate of righteousness that had the 12 tribes of Israel in various color stones. And at the bottom of his robe, he had to have bells and pomegranates that was making noise to let the folks know he was still alive. So Jesus is our high priest because even when he went to the hill called Calvary, his bells were still ringing because they thought he was dead. He was just chilling out and sleeping. Can I preach it the way that I feel? But here's where you and I got to have our shout right now. Yes, he was anointed prophet. Yes, he was anointed priest. But hallelujah, he is my king. Can can I talk about it the way that I feel it? He is my king and I got to submit to his righteousness and his power and his sovereignty and his rule in my life. And you and I will never experience all that God wants to give us until we acknowledge him as king. All I'm trying to tell y'all, St. Paul, if we're going to be the church, we better hold Jesus in high esteem. We better learn how to lift him up. That means we can't do Kelly like the Israelites did on Palm Sunday. They were hollering, Hosanna, Hosanna on Sunday, hollering, crucify him, crucify him on Friday. If Jesus is going to be king, held in high esteem, you better understand he ain't elected to this office. And he ain't coming to ask for your vote. His name is not on the ballot for the primary or the main election. He don't need our affirmation because one day the Bible says that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Christ. However, for those of us who are his subjects, we don't have any problems and we don't have any issues and we don't have any complaints holding our king in high esteem. As a matter of fact, every time you and I give God praise, we hold Jesus in high esteem. Can I do a church check right now? How many of y'all know he really is the king of kings? How many of y'all know our king is holy? Our king is righteous. Our king is loving. Our king is merciful. Our king is gracious. Our king is forgiving. Our king is omnipotent. Our king is wonderful. Our king is gracious. Our king is majestic. And our king is absolutely incredible. But when I'm facing a problem for 
which I have no answer. I've learned how to give my king praise. I just say, Lord Jesus, you are the one that put the stars in the sky. You facilitated the movement of the planets. You are the one who formed the earth and the sea. You're the one that made humanity and everything else that lives. And when humanity jacked things up in the Garden of Eden, you had a divine plan for our salvation. You are the one that carved out a nation for yourself, preserved it through history, worked miracle after miracle after miracle for that nation. You are the God that came in the form of Jesus, did miracles, walked among the sick, healed the blind, raised the dead, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and if you can do all that, then my problems pale in insignificance. And since you can do all that, I bow down in reverence, I bow down in holiness, I bow down in majesty. Why? Because you are my king. And I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. I'll draw all men unto me. Let me drop one more thing off of y'all and then I'm done. Then I'm done. Uh, uh, Not only, not only must we esteem him as king, but finally, if we're going to be the church, the black church, we got to equip and enlighten the subjects about the policy of the king. Uh-huh. I, yep, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Let me say it again. Uh, 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 you, you got to enlighten the subjects to the policies of the king, which is played out in the kingdom. All right, all right, all right, all right. The policies of the king. If there's a king, that means that there is a kingdom. If there is a kingdom, that means there are subjects. And if there are subjects, that means that you got to have some folks that give deference to the king. And if there is a kingdom, then there ought to be some rules and regulations in how the kingdom is run. So, so, so the policies of the kingdom of God is not what you wear to church. It is not how much money you give to the St. Paul Church. It is not even whether you come to this physical building or catch us online. If we're going to be the church, we got to know what we believe, why we believe what we believe, and how we're going to act on what we believe because right beliefs produce right behavior. So the policies of the kingdom of God are rooted in us becoming agents of change in a culture that's going to hell in a handbasket through preaching, teaching, and healing. We don't need the empire of the world to protect us because if we depend upon the empire, we might water down the message of the gospel just to make the empire happy. 
if we're going to be the church, we can't be scared to say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. If we're going to be the church, we can't be ashamed nor afraid to say that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If we're going to be the church, we must be willing to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, educate the ignorant, visit the sick, call for prison reform, free people from slavery, call for gender equity, treat our LGBTQ sisters and brothers with the love of Christ regardless of how you feel about their lifestyle. Speak up for the marginalized, stand up for the oppressed, empower the disenfranchised, all in the name of our King, Jesus Christ. Ah, I feel something pushing me right now because the only way that you and I can know about the policies and the procedures of the kingdom is we got to be familiar with it. And the only way we become familiar with it is we got to know the Bible. And when you properly interpret the Bible, you will find out what our king will have for us to do. This is why, beloved, the black church was on the front lines for civil rights. This is why the black church was on the front lines for voting rights. This is why the black church has stressed education. This is why the black church has tried to put up with housing. This is why the black church has tried to do all the things that we do in our community. And this is, beloved, where binding and loosening in the text comes into play because God knows in our society we need to do some binding and loosing. We need to bind the insanity of violence in our community so we can lose people to at least be able to live to see another day. We need to bind the ignorance because of racism, sexism, classism, and xenophobiaism so we can be loose to engage in liberating, transformative, redemptive, and reconciliatory relationships. We need to bind injustice in America so black lives can matter so that we can lose uh, that justice may roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Uh, ah, we need to bind uh, the fear of each other so we can be loose uh, to overcome the hesitancy of conversation. Uh, we need to bind uh, the craziness of partisan politics so we can be loose uh, to have civility and talk across the aisle and get some work done for the people of the nation. Uh, let me get out of here because I've held y'all too long. But let me just say this. I get so sick and tired of folks that always got something negative to say about the black church. You get on my reserved nerve critiquing the black church. You make me angry and upset when you criticize the black church, but you don't do nothing to contribute to the black church. Now, let me just say this, and I'm getting ready to take my seat. While there are some who don't do nothing in the, the community when it comes to our churches, most of us, our churches will be missed if we weren't in the community. Here at St. Paul, during COVID and even now, y'all do y'all know we did nearly 1,600 vaccinations? Did you all not realize that we provided over 50 thousand bags of grocery? Did you not realize that we gave away nearly $80,000 in rental and medical and utility assistance? Did y'all not know we opened up our gym and our church for the community to use and Atrium Health? We built an $18 million housing development on our parking lot where I didn't have parking for almost 17 months. Two thirds of my park were gone, but we did it because people in Charlotte, North Carolina need housing. And we 
provide emotional and spiritual uplift for our congregation and for other folks. Folks can say whatever they want to, but if St. Paul didn't do what he did, y'all would miss it. Y'all would miss it. Y'all, y'all would miss it. Y'all, y'all would miss it. Let me, let me say this, and I'm closing, because as, as I come to this, Dickie Reggie, Jesus established the church. That went over your head. Jesus established the church. Joe, that went over y'all head. Let me say it again. Jesus established the church. Jesus. But Jesus is a Jew. Jesus didn't go to church. <laughs> I, I said, Jesus did not go to church. Je- Je- Jesus was Jew. He didn't go to church. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus went to the synagogue. But when he did this in Matthew, he did not say, upon this rock, I will build my temple. He didn't say, upon this rock, I will build my tabernacle. He did not say, upon this rock, I will build my synagogue. But no, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And what the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I know why y'all really can't shout, because ecclesia is a Greek term. Jesus is a Jew, quoted a Greek term to establish his entity. And I want to contend that the reason that Jesus uses the Greek term is because he wants the church to be more different than the temple. He wants the church to be more different than the synagogue. He wants the church to be more different than the tabernacle. He wants the church to be wide open for anyone that whosoever will. I feel something pushing me. Let him come. That whosoever will, let her come. Is there anybody in the house that's glad that we are not the temple? Because if we were the temple, uh, uh, certain folks would not be able to come all the way in. That if we were the temple, certain folks would have to hang out in the the outer court. But I'm glad that we are the church. And since we are the church, anybody can come. But I'm here to let you know that when you're coming to the church, God ain't expected for you to stay the same way you came in. Who am I talking to right now? They ain't afraid to give God praise. Because anybody know that when you come to church for real, that the Lord will change you. And the Lord will lift you. And the Lord will hold your hand. And the Lord will guide your steps. Good morning, St. Paul. May the Lord bless you real good. But I'm glad that I serve a God who is the king of the church. And I don't know about anybody else. Else, uh, but I don't mind worshiping this king uh, and I don't mind shouting for this king uh, and I don't mind praising this king uh, because you can have whatever you want to have uh, give me the church uh, you could be an alpha or a Q uh, but give me the church uh, you could be a kappa or a sigma uh, but give me the church uh, you could be an AK or a delta uh, but give me the church uh, you could be a zeta or a sigma gamma rho uh, but give me the church uh, you could be an Easter star or a 
Mason. Forgive me the church. You can be white or black. Forgive me the church because there's something about the church that when the saints get together, what a good time we will have. Is there anybody here that's glad the church is still alive? Give me the church because one of these days he's coming back for the church without a spot or a wrinkle. Good morning, y'all. May the Lord bless you real good. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think or believe through the church. Aren't you glad you're part of the church? I need all the kingdom subjects that ain't afraid to give our God praise. Lift up your hands if he's your king. Throw back your head if he's your king. Open up your mouth if he's your king. Give him praise if he's your king. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. right now to give our king the praise he deserves. If you know he's the king of king and the lord of lords, give him praise in this sanctuary. Your praise becomes the throne for our king. There, there is something there is something about the black church that goes straight to the real church the universal church that if we ever lose it we're going to lose our edge let, let me say this stop trying to copy white folk If we're going to copy anybody, let's copy Matthew 16 and Acts 2. And until, guess what? Until racism and sexism and classism and all these other isms are eliminated, the black church is always going to be needed because we provide the prophetic critique for all those forms of oppression. Listen, some of you are standing, others are sitting. Um, I, I want to take this opportunity right now to invite you to become part of two churches. The Universal Church, the Ecclesia, and the Koinonia, the local church, St. Paul. When Jesus come back, he ain't coming back for St. Paul. He coming back for Ecclesia. I, 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 I'm here. I want you to be part. Ecclesia is where you get your salvation. Koinonia is where you get your sanctification and discipleship. It is through the local church that you are discipled to become what God will have for you to be. And I want to offer St. Paul as a place for you to do that. Um, we ain't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. That's why we engage in discipleship. I want to lead you in a short prayer. 
prayer of new life prayer, brand new start. And if you repeat that prayer after me, for those of us who made this commitment to Christ, it's a reminder of our commitment to the King. But if you are praying this prayer for the first time and it clicks, it hits you, go like, yeah, I get it. I want you to make a decision for either Christ and or the St. Paul Church. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you would, repeat after me. God, I thank you for the church. I thank you for what Jesus did in establishing the church. And I want to be a part of the church. I believe Jesus died for my sins on a cross. I believe God raised him from the dead. And I believe one day Jesus is coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. I want to love the way you love. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Now keep your hands bowed just for a moment. Do me this favor. If you're here right now, you prayed this prayer for the first time. You've never been baptized or maybe you have been baptized, but you didn't fully understand it. And you want a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of this universe. You want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to just do me this favor. Do God the wonderful pleasure of just holding up your hand right now. If you're in the house, you know you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you just prayed that prayer and it meant something to you. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of. Hold up your hand. 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 I want to make sure that we don't miss anyone. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. You're looking to be connected to the Christ of creation. This is your opportunity right now. I want you to understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Amen. If you're here and you're saying, listen, pastor, I'm already saved. I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, but I don't have a church home. I want you to do me this favor. If you're in the house right now, you don't have a church home, I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If that's you, would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. If you don't have a church home, you're looking for a church home. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Amen. Amen. It, uh, I see somebody got their hand up. If you got your hand up, you're looking for a church home. I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If we could do that, would you go come on down right now? Would you come on down? God bless you. God bless you. Somebody walk with her. Listen, if you're watching us online, if you're watching us online, you can join St. Paul as a candidate for baptism. For those that are watching us online on Facebook or the website, type in salvation. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you, let you know what the next thing you need to do. Or you can email us at connect.spbcnc.org if you're on YouTube or the telephone. Or call the church office at 704-334-5309 if you want to join as a candidate for baptism and be saved. You can do that right now. If you are watching us online and you want to join through Christian experience. That basically means that you want to be connected to the local church. We would love to have you on Facebook and on our website. Type connect in the chat 
our digital minister is going to reach out to you let you know what the next steps are or call us at the church at 704-334-5309 if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the telephone. Can we give God praise for our sister that has come? We could do a whole lot better than that. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? We don't want to leave this space. Will there be another? Right now is your chance. Right now is your opportunity. We would love to do life with you and we would love for you to do life with us. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? If you need to reconnect, we would love to have you to come back home as well. Will there be another? Because guess what? Some of us ain't been in church in two years. Amen. And we're so glad to see so many of you all back. We thank God for you. But I take wonderful delight for those that are joining us online. And I want to wave to you. And we thank God for you because we have people who are joining us online. St. Paul, can we celebrate my sister that has come? I want to, I would love to come to give you a hug and shake your hand, but I'm going to do fist bump. God bless you. Listen, uh, Deacon Marilyn White is going to take you in the back. She's going to get information from you, let you know what the next steps are. But we're going to cheer for you and we're going to holler so loud for you. You're going to want to do flips and think you're a cheerleader. So I want you to follow her. St. Paul, can we celebrate my sister? Would you follow her? Come on, come on. Come on, we can do a whole lot better than that. We can do a whole lot better than that. Those of you who are able, let's stand. We're getting ready to get out of here. We're getting ready to get out of here. Let me just remind us and uh, how we're going to do this. Um, okay, so we got people in the balcony. Um, we're going to dismiss from the floor. So as soon as service is over, um, make a mad dash to one of the exits back here. Um, I would love to fellowship with y'all, but y'all, they got a new variant out now called the XE. I'm like, good Lord, Jesus. Just when you think you got one thing understood, here comes something else. So COVID is still real. So we want to, we're going to continue to wear masks for some time. Um, trying to get more of you all in here, but we're going to continue to wear masks. Okay. All right. Is that Brother Dunlap? All right. So Brother Dunlap, I know the county has said in certain places you ain't got to, but you told me I could do this here in St. Paul, so I'm taking what you said I could do here since you're chair of county commissions. All right, we're going to continue to wear masks here at St. Paul for the time being. Your safety is my greatest security. All right, so as you leave, I'll let you continue to stand, but make a mad dash out quickly. Fellowship outside where there's air. All right. All hands bowed, all eyes closed. God, we thank you for you being the Lord of the church. And we thank you for taking something negative like slavery and using it to empower us, the black church. Now, as we leave from this space and this place, but never your power nor provision, keep us in your sovereign care until we're able to come back together again. And we look forward to worshiping you next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. Be safe. Have a blessed week. I love you. God loves you even more. Take care.